1: hello everyone and welcome to the sports grid fantasy football podcast i'm davis matic i am joined today by kyle dvorak uh we we were mentioning on the show last week coraine was on i was like you should have kyle on never never had him on we we run in the same internet circle so kyle you're here and we are uh i think we're gonna solve best ball today probably
0: I think so. I mean, I think it's probably been solved a few times over. It's pretty much a, a beaten game at this point. Uh, you know, now that we figured out week 17 that you're supposed to pick players from the, the same game, I feel like it's pretty much, uh, yeah, we've, we've gotten to the end of it, right? We've reached its, its conclusion. It's so funny. I was listening to, I was listening back. I was like maybe a month or three or four weeks behind on this show. And I'm listening back and i get to the crane show. We're like, we should have Kyle on. And I thought I was listening to a show that was a month old. I was like, They never had me on. They never, they
1: never, they never reached out. What
0: dickheads? Uh, But no, it was from like last Thursday. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, that was, I I was actually talking about this with Vime4 yesterday. And I think best ball is a really hard game to solve. Actually, I was, I was thinking about it. And because any simulation is only going to be as good as the data you can give it. And for like a four game, you know, the, the four days of the John Deere classic, you can give it. Lots of good information, but it's really, even if you're feeding in, like, this is how often this pick bus, and this is how often running backs get injured when you project them for this many touches, and what should you, like, I still feel like we are years and years away from, like, best ball simulations. And imagine the data sizes, imagine the the size of the, uh, you know, the compute, like, you might as well be mining Bitcoin instead of, like, if, you, if you're going to buy the ASIC rig, like, you might as well be mining Bitcoin instead of solving best ball.
0: Yeah. It's like, uh, and I know, I think, I know people talk about this, but every season it's just one slate, right? We get one chance to fire 150 bullets. So really if like, if it turns out, like, and this is obviously, like, there's no way to know what the odds, true odds are of, oh, it turns out Stafford was actually pretty good in Detroit the whole time, and he just needed a quarterback and good weapons to unlock him. Uh, if it turns out that wasn't the case, how do you possibly model something like that without, like, an immense sample size of good quarterbacks going to other coaches? And we don't. We don't have that. We get like that once or twice a year, every two years, and we have maybe, I don't know, five or six to 10 years of relevant data. And not all of that data has ADP, like the ADP in 2014, whatever ADP you could possibly scrape together is going to be nothing like the, the drafting we do today. So yeah, there's no, it is probably, it's gotta be like the most unsolvable form of fantasy we have found yet.
1: Oh, that's actually, that's actually another great point, but like you are, you are inferring from old data in terms of drafter tendencies too, when you're solving and you can't solve in real time for like, oh my God, everyone just realized you should be doing X instead of Z or everyone's doing Y and they used to do this. Like, so, so you are, your, your simulations could be getting ruined in real time by your opponents.
0: Yeah. You could even simulate out good results, right? I don't think you could really do great simulations because of the, like the Safford scenario you talked about, but maybe you do, maybe you get to really good end of season results. Then how do you simulate the individuals within your contest? Right. And it's like with DFS, right. There's, you can, we can have, we have really good DFS projections. We've sort of reached probably closing on on like an end point of like, you can't get that much better. That much better. Right. Yeah, I'm sure people are still, uh, you know, like Cardi stuff is still a little bit better than so-and-so site stuff, but there's not a final frontier of that. Whereas, uh, simulating your individual contest is something that doesn't really happen in DFS except for the top, top, top players. And that's why they are the top players. And then you have to try and figure out how to, those players have to try and figure out how to do that for this game too. It is just such a, uh, you know, multifaceted game. And that was even if you didn't consider the tiered steps of week 15, 16, 17, which just throw in like three more equations you would have to run that all have their own individual components. Uh, Right. we're, We're so far from solving it that I think uh it is still really you know we, we joked at the top that we're, we're solving it we're so we're and so that well away.
1: and and the big thing at dfs is it's actually more important to know what you're like if you could choose with 100 percent accuracy you'll know exactly what your opponents will be doing or know exactly the outcomes of the players I mean, I guess it would still be you'd still prefer 100% projection accuracy.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you literally knew the the optimal lineup, of course. I think the better thing is you had a perfect range of outcomes projections, right? Because there's like right. literally no way, even down to like a, a true like physics level, like you cannot you cannot predict where an electron is and what direction it's moving or whatever, right? There is a, only so specific you can get and know about momentum, right? So let's say perfect range of outcomes, you know exactly that. of the time X player gets this bottom percentile score. And you know that his median is this to a perfect degree. Uh, I think I would take the perfect, uh, ownership over that and good projections versus the other way around. You never get ownership wrong, or at least to a a very specific degree, but your projections are so, so I agree with you. If you kind of make it a realistic scenario, of course, like I'll take the alpha lineup every time, but if you make it realistic, I agree with the sentiment you were saying.
1: Well, and that's, and and so I guess thinking about it, like you get the ADP information in best ball. So, you know, what you're, you know, generally what order your opponents are drafting players in, but we don't, other than like guessing, we don't really have a sense of like how many teams have four Broncos or chiefs players, or how many teams have three Jaguars players or how many teams have two Dolphins and two Patriots, right? Which is all stuff that would get modeled out and projected for a week 17 DFS slate, but would not get, mod- is not getting modeled out. And I don't, I, I guess the underdog people or the DraftKings people or drafters people or whatever could probably run that information in their back end, but I'm sure they don't have the infrastructure set up to do it. Like no one on earth right now, not one person knows what percentage of the player pool is using week 17 stacks.
0: Not yeah, no, no one knows, no one. Sure. I think, I think at underdog, like at the end of the season, you could probably figure it out and maybe people adjust to the next year. I don't know, maybe like Hayden could pull the data right now. he, uh, he wouldn't and shouldn't. Don't I, do this. I
1: don't, I don't think he could. I, I don't stuff? think, he, I don't think the way their database is okay. because, and the reason I don't, I'm not meaning to nag Hayden or underdog at all, but the reason why I think that is that very minor stuff in their system takes a while, like for example the the way they're distributing the regular season prize obviously the way better way to distribute regular season prizes would be to do like the top 100 regular season teams or whatever (laughs) but they're just giving one million dollars to the regular season champion and that's not because they think that's the best way to do it it's because it would be such a pain in the ass to calculate it in the any other way other than putting every score in a spreadsheet and clicking sort like literally that's what is going to happen
0: yeah, and to their credit, the only reason I thought they maybe have a chance to be able to do it is because I like, I know sure as hell DraftKings doesn't have, have the infrastructure to do this. They hardly have the best ball contest.
1: They don't even have the infrastructure to tell you how many times you've drafted a player.
0: Don't even uh, it was the it was the show a few weeks ago where like Corrain had very, very specific gripes with uh with like the, the app and the way best ball is integrated that like that spoke to me on a human-to-human level that gave me, like, hope and humanity, knowing that people out there feel so specifically the way I do, and you were saying that, uh like, the DraftKings app closes itself out after, what was it, like, two times? Of three. So, three, so okay, you, three. you
1: tab, you, so you, you can tab out twice, and I know this because I build a lot of my, because I'm not very seriously playing MLD, MLB DFS anymore, sure. like, I played to grind the crowns, yeah, um, so I will have my ownership projections up in my Safari tab. Mm-hmm. And then I will have my, my DraftKings window open and I'll be building it and I'll be going back and forth. And I know that if I'm not done and I tab back over for the third time, the DraftKings app will like, I, I guess it probably just refreshes itself is what it yes. does. what It's what, it, it's, it's what yeah. I would call it, yeah so you so you lose whatever you've been you got to remember you, yep. so you got to go yeah. back and like okay i've clicked on these two pitchers and this catcher so i got to go back in and do that it's it's very micro specific gripes about playing fantasy but they, sports
0: but they're gripes that like are like just needles in my eyes they're so awful to try and play with that i get why coraine remembers them so specifically
1: yeah, it's like it's like our whole deal with playing on uh, a- NFC, so, th- so the FFPC competitor, yeah. like, their site stinks. It's, it's it's the functionality to play fantasy football on there is not good.
0: Yeah, I think the final frontier of, like, regular season-long fantasy football is a site that works. I'm still waiting for a site that I'm well, like, this is
1: the one. <laughs> the FFPC works. It's pretty good, but it just, it does not look good. Like it just, it yeah, looks, that's what it, I mean. It's
0: like a perfect aesthetic appearance where, yeah, I have, I have a, a few FFPC teams and I don't like uh, adding players on there. I find that to be uh, at, like from waiver wire. Yeah. Like that kind of thing or like bidding on players. Like the, I find that to be awkward.
1: Oh, that I mean, maybe just cause I've done it a bunch, but that, yeah. func- the, the, the waiver wire functionality on NFC. I mean, I fuck this up every year, <laughs> every
0: year. I don't I do, think I've, I've ever th- played on NFC. I don't think so
1: they're so they do a cool they do like a single entry main event basically Mm -hmm. and and i do that every year with leone and like this is the team that i fuck up the waivers on every year because of (laughs) because of the 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 functionality of how their waiver wire bidding it's it's a huge pain in the ass anyway that's enough for for complaining about our very cushy lives and jobs that we i know we live really
0: hard lives
1: gabriel davis I, I do. We, we've talked about it, talked about it with crane, talked about it with Bime four, talked about it with, with Gretch. but it's like, I want to do like a good 10 to 15 minutes, maybe, maybe more honestly, and gaming it out because he seems to be the number one ADP that people take umbrage with one way or the other, right. Where people are like, I cannot believe we're drafting this guy. who has got like, what does he have like 1400 career yards or whatever. And then the other people, uh, my people, me, as saying like you should just play chess or something else if you don't get why he's being drafted this high and it's it it seems to me that a lot of the reservation is somehow centered on Jamison Crowder it it seems like people are projecting the 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 leap people are making is Jamison Crowder is no different than Cole Beasley and Cole Beasley significantly out-targeted Gabriel Davis uh, the when they were both on the field
0: yeah, I mean, I like I don't find myself like going head over heels on getting Gabe Davis. You you probably chose the wrong person to do 10 minute songs. I think it's fine. Like I get both sides of the- I'm a centrist. At, the, at this point, I'm a Gabe Davis centrist perfectly. Unfortunately. And that's so annoying. That's so annoying of you. I get it. I, I probably have him, I probably have him like almost exactly uh at the rate you would get. But like, see, one no one, no one
1: uh I did I did I did look at this, no, fantasy site has him ranked where he's being drafted not etr not the consensus espn ranks not the consensus fantasy pros ranks when you merge them all together you know like so like boutique site like establish the run mass fantasy football consumption doesn't have him that high yet he's still being drafted well ahead of where he's being ranked which to me i guess is kind of it's kind of one of those things where it's like the people who like gabe davis are just going to go get him similar to how like Travis Etienne is going in the third round of like main event drafts and, and football guys that are getting started right now, because if you want them, you just got to go get him because someone else will also like him.
0: Yeah. I think the thing is like, it, like, I don't know if irresponsible is the word I would call it, but like how much can you weight a player's like 90th percentile outcome into what your ranking is, what ETR's ranking is, what NBC's ranking is, whatever these things are. Well,
1: Leone, Leone has this all gamed out like like speaking of like simulations like leone has like floor and ceiling stuff built into their and and they bake in adp and everything too which is probably why he's so high for them honestly
0: yeah like i think if you are like very strongly considering the ceiling outcome and i think like the like james crowder stuff is kind of dumb i think it's more my my only concern would be like we've seen him be pretty good for two years and they're still like He's a great wide receiver, three and a half for us. Uh, Now I think like the obvious uh, argument against that is players who are good early in their career, especially like there's a fourth round pick, I believe like players who can force their way onto the field with low expectations. Like, of course, like, I mean, he scored,
1: he scored seven touchdowns as a rookie in a year where they signed John Brown and Emmanuel Sanders and Stephon Diggs on, or they traded for Diggs. So they trade for Diggs. They signed Manny Sanders. They signed John Brown. They signed Cole Beasley the year before. Yeah think, I think so. but th- but they'd made so uh the, my my counter argument to all of the gabe davis stuff is one he's just really fucking good and what if yeah. what if he what if what if stefan Diggs is 29 and takes a step back and gabe davis is actually the guy like one i think that's in the range and i i've not heard anyone make that case i've not heard anyone make the case that gabe davis could actually just play better than step Diggs this season which i think could happen but i think the more relevant thing is the bill's if we were setting like Vegas odds for team to throw the most passes, the bills are probably the favorite bills. Chargers chiefs are probably the top three, but definitely the bills are, are there. And what if being, what if a 21% target share on the bills is like 143
0: targets? That's pretty yeah. good. I t- yeah. That's why, that's why I think he's, he's fine to pick. Cause I think like probably the median outcome is that a player who has been like a deep, you know wide receiver three ish at best on his team probably stays in that general vicinity right it's not uh, you know like the third year leap or second year leap or whatever you want to call it is the uh upside scenario it's not the median projection but the upside is that like you said what if he is really good he was Pretty good in college. He was a second-year breakout, early to clear, a D1 prospect. And through two seasons, he was one of just 24 wide receivers in the history of the NFL, probably since the merger, I'd imagine, to get over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns uh, before the age of 23, right? He has been really good on a limited sample, but the fact that he does so much, he has maximized that limited sample. And then, obviously, like the the awesome 204 touchdowns. And they didn't –
1: I mean, I think maybe even the bigger signal – is that this is a team that clearly takes passing very seriously and they didn't invest in wide receiver this offseason at all. They they looked at they looked at Diggs and they looked at Gabe Davis and they were like, sure, we'll add we'll add Jameson Crowder and we'll get what they give Isaiah McKenzie, six million dollars. I think. I think that, not, I think not that a ton. yeah, not not like uh, what Hayden's thing is uh, don't draft guys who are gonna make less than the guy who wins Best Ball Mania three. Like that's like that's like his like correlate which I think is kind of funny, but they, and they don't, they they don't, you know, they draft a running back instead of, I mean, they had, they could have taken George Pickens. They could like, they had all these wide receivers they could have taken instead of James cook. And I've like done this enough times with Jameson Crowder, like gotten into these arguments with Leone, who like loves guys like Jameson Crowder, who is fine by the way, where he goes, but we're talking about a guy who's entering into his age 29 season. He's never had a thousand yards. He has only played, 16 games once since 2018 and his career high in touchdowns is seven. And that came all the way back in 2016 with, I, I want to say Kirk cousins was the quarterback then for the Washington football team. So it's like, what are we doing here with Jamison? Like, I, I actually think the much more realistic thing is that McKenzie Uh, adds in running some deep routes to the gadget stuff they have him do that would be way worse for Gabe Davis than Crowder just being the full-time slot guy I think
0: that is also part of the reason maybe it's part I haven't really thought about it that way but I have been taking a lot of McKenzie when he goes like he goes so late and he really could be uh he could be Gabe Davis of last year right Gabe Davis could step into that boundary number two he could uh, he he could be a
1: man he could be Mandy Sanders or John Brown but like good which is yeah, exactly. a, a which yeah. is a good role but probably not a fourth round wide receiver role.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, he could be good, not great. And if you have Stefan Diggs who we saw not quite as good as we expected last year, Gabe Davis maybe doesn't take the step and like like I said, what are we doing with James Crowder here? I I haven't he'll, he'll be a player I almost take never. I would take Isaiah McKenzie over him at cost 100 times out of 100, straight up like 40-60. Like I take Crowder straight up sure, but like I only I much only take
1: I only take Crowder when I like already have four guys from that game. Like when I have, like when I already have, like, if you do Chase, T, Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, then like, sure. Take Crowder, take James Cook, take whoever. But like, I'm only taking those guys in those builds.
0: Yeah. I, I take McKenzie pretty often. Cause I just think there's a good chance he's got like, 507 or whatever. And for a guy who's literally free, uh, those are exactly who you want. Uh, Yeah, I I don't think I've taken Crowder when I have stacks of that game. I have a lot of stacks of that game. Uh, this is a, an aside, but when we were talking about like gaming things out and like the, the best ball theory, one of the many, uh, this will be in like, we can talk about this later in Galbrain, but like one of the perfect scenarios is just, uh, you get probably a lot of people getting to week 17 in, uh, like these best ball tournaments are going to have similar teams, right? You get two good games from the chiefs. Dude, everyone is showing up to week 17. It's the Spider-Man pointing meme. Everyone's like, I've got Travis, Kelsey, Patrick, Mahomes, and Javante Williams. I've right. got this and Jerry Judy. Ideally, you get there either with something really weird, like a, like a McKenzie, uh, McKenzie, James Cook, Stephon Diggs, and Josh Allen team, right? Or something like that. Something where you have right. just the weird guys, or at least multiple of the weird guys, or you get there and like that game fails. Like you get there with, uh, you get there with the, the Chiefs team. And then that game fails, and it's a different game that goes off. So you are just lopping off half the team. And I think if that happens, let's say you have Chiefs, uh, you know, you have, you have Bills, uh, Bills Bengals, that game fails and everyone made it there because the Bills dropped 40 and 40 two weeks before that. I think right. better players would have an advantage in that scenario. Because I think a lot, not a lot, the people who are thinking about best ball in smart ways are still only at like, like galaxy brain level two, where you're like, I should stack teams in week 17, whereas realistically you should probably stack a bunch of games like most of your stuff should be assuming adp right don't just like take any player because they're in the same game zay mckenzie in the fourth round well he is part of my game stack But like you probably want uh if you make it there deep to have like mac jones stack plus dolphins uh get there with the chiefs chiefs completely bomb and you're the only one with a second game really heavily stacked uh, so I think this is more Galbrain, less about the, uh, the bills, but like, that's probably a scenario you want a lot of, or the other scenario, which I think relates back to the, the bills or any team, literally any good team is like, you really do want to be adding on these uh, like Hayden Hurst, right? Like I will be taking a lot of like Hayden Hurst, Isaiah McKenzie, all these trash back end players of their teams. Cause you like. You know, it's it's very blender. It's about leverage. You need to have some sort of point. If things go sort of chalky through the first two best ball rounds, if you're just taking your your bill stacks, dude, everyone's taking bill stacks. Everyone's taking Chiefs Broncos stacks. You either need something really weird to happen, or at least the back end players to be uh, like to be uh, different. It a, yeah, yeah, so, and it, well, and
1: well, and Hayden did uh, Hayden did one of those int- like you know showing that he can pull some data. He did one of these studies where he found that like. Not like what you're saying is very true because not only are people game stacking the same games, but the people who tend to start their drafts the oh, same way this. draft the same player. So like, if you start your draft with like, uh, you know, a, a wide receiver in the first bell cow running back in the second early quarterback. And then you take like a young unproven wide receiver, like Mike Williams, Gabe Davis, Michael Pittman, then you're drafting the same t- like same buckets of players in the later rounds. Whereas then like yeah. the boomer drafters are doing the exact opposite, right? So like the guy who takes Derrick Henry in round one is then like also taking uh, you know, Robert Woods and Deontay Johnson. Like the, 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 you know, the Gen Z drafters and the boomer drafters are not only drafting like opposite structures, which means that you're drafting the same structures what's the right way to say this so you are a lot of the time drafting in the same structure you're drafting the same players not yes. same, not even same types of players the actual same overlapping
0: players well so look at all my teams that checks out i do find myself like why wouldn't i just take this good player again at this spot
1: right exactly so it's like that's how you end up with like 11 percent romeo dubes or whatever right yep. because it's like it's where where you know it's like you and I would probably never take AJ green and round 17. We would, we would take Isaiah McKenzie or Byron Pringle, like Pringle's one of my guys or whatever. But it's like, that's another, that's another element of gaming it out of like trying to be like, okay, so inside this structure, like I, I don't think you're worried about duplicates so much, but you are worried about just having like overlapping scenarios where your team is not benefiting as much.
0: Yeah. Like taking back to DFS. Like if you build like, you know, Dodgers, Dodgers have been playing in, in course and they're, pretty terrifying slates Cause if you don't know anything about baseball, I almost know nothing about baseball. Dodgers are a good team. It's easy to just slap home runs and cores, right? So you're probably, if you build a five-man Dodger sack, you're not worried about literally having the same lineup as someone else. If you're playing, you know, one-offs and and random pitches, right? There's a lot of places to get different. But you're looking at a slate where if you succeed, uh you're basically just flipping coins still with the other 30% of lineups that played Dodgers lineups. And that's what we're talking about, not literally duping, but to the extent that you have this good zero RB build, and then you show up to you show up to the finals. Uh, these aren't literally live finals, but you show up to the live finals in theory, and you look around, and it's just everyone from Rotoviz and ETR is like, Hey, we're all doing the same exact thing. And you have obviously it's good that you made it to the finals, but you would like to make it to the finals and then have an edge in week 17 as opposed to make it there with everyone else and just say all right we're flipping 470 sided dice and whoever pulls up one wins two million dollars or whatever you'd like to get there and then still continue having an edge and what we're talking about where like trying to yeah add a discussing it is add aj green onto the back of your cardinal stack or whatever because people cardinals and kyle pitt's perfect done add aj green onto the back of that stack or something like that because the types of people who are doing like Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Marquise Brown in Arizona. I know those kind of people. They're me, and they don't want to do AJ Green, but you probably should. And there are so many other examples of this.
1: Yeah, and it's but it's it's one of those things where it's like I can't I can't fix that about how I'm drafting these teams the way I draft these teams because I don't like you. You it needs to be like poker almost with like where you have like a heads up display or something where it's like, it's like this combo is bad. Like this combo has bad leverage or this combo is like really likely to be duped or this combo is really likely to be drafted by someone with a similar drafting style of you and 30% of the pool has a similar drafting style to you or this structure with Kyler Murray includes Rondell Moore, but never includes AJ Green or something like that.
0: Yeah. I think that's a, that's a you problem. I'm actually okay about that. Uh at the end of my drafts, but I think it, it helps to talk about week 17. Even like I think week I was really interested. Uh, like uh Osmo had an article come out where they did simulations just on on point outcomes. I don't think it was uh as much contest specific, but they were like uh they actually found that week 16 was more important than week 17. Yeah.
1: What did you what so what did you what did you make of his conclusion that actually optimizing for week 16 has higher expected value because it gets you to the
0: final round? Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I think probably the answer is optimizing for both like I, I believe the the bangles have like they get like bucks bills and some other solid team through their playoffs so like I still think you can probably do both I wasn't entirely sure what to make of that I mean like the logic makes sense I can't refute it and like the simulations are something that I, is far above my pre-grade and my ability to like did he do more than a v lookup well I probably can't do it then right uh, but it makes plenty of sense that just like getting to the fine the final round where like I think I I did the math. I think it was something like the final round, just a seat in the final round is worth $12,000 in the, the underdog one. Uh, yeah. Specifically and something like that where like it's literally live final pricing, but a, also a large contest, you're playing the nosebleed stakes or whatever that tickets worth 12,000. So just acquiring that ticket uh is worth a lot. And that makes a lot of sense. I, I can't really refute it though. I think maybe the answer is like, you can also just do both.
1: Well, and I, then I also think that is where you get into like the difference between um expected value and like realized value and like of
0: course yeah it's that ticket's worth twelve thousand dollars and many times you leave the final with a thousand bucks and you're like this was this is like great yeah
1: yeah so it's like it's like if you if you really are i don't like i am not good enough at math to to like really get at the nitty-gritty of what that means but just like basically like There's a difference between optimizing for getting to the final round and that expect like because the expected value of first place is 2 million right so so there, I would assume that there is a way. To rework these expected value calculations to differentiate between attempting to make it to the final round and attempting to win the final round right because those are two different things.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I had something to say. Oh, oh, it was a uh, it was another thing I saw in that article that made me think about like these uh you know more specific weak strategies. Almost they also make sense. I think on teams like you should probably just always take three quarterbacks. Like your eleventh receiver is just so unlikely to ever make an impact on your team, whereas third quarterback actually is a pretty high likelihood, even if you have Mahomes. Like Mahomes probably has three or four back last year had more than three or four back Liam
1: games. Liam did Liam did the same thing for like the drafters and found that even even in that format which is also 20 rounds adding okay. an extra quarterback adding an extra quarterback even when you had like even, even like let's say you took Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes adding a Ritter a Mariota a picket or whatever still adds like a like a like a point per game
0: over the course of a season yeah that's uh almost exact I think Osmo found it was just like maybe there's a specific example maybe not but it was like uh it added like 20 points, a specific example, adding like Ben Rausberger to last of the end of your team last year, I like 20 points, right? That's a, almost exactly a point per game. It's like one point, whatever. Uh, and, but I also think, and this is uh, really hammering this point home. I didn't know Liam did that. I knew Osmo did it. I think Hayden talked about this in like getting different as well. He just had an article about getting different was that a lot of people, especially an underdog, because you can only uh, like, you can't just go like, you know, three, five, what would be, Like eight or nine and three again, you can't, or maybe you shouldn't triple everyone's both onesie positions, right? Maybe you should write one to triple, but he found that uh, adding that third quarterback, which makes sense in game theory, gives you a chance uh, at having a unique player. Essentially sort of what I was talking about is you get to week 17 and you've rode the chiefs all the way there. Chiefs completely bust. Now you have two other quarterbacks on your roster, giving you a chance at that 25 point game. If people show up with like 250 chiefs lineups, to that week seventeen, and all those get dusted. Which down, is dust. which is what I think is going to happen, by the way, yeah.
1: <laughs> Be- because because uh, we talked about this on the show, but like these Chiefs prices when we when we're t- looking back on Patrick Mahomes' career. or or just even like three years from now, and we're doing our best ball stuff. Like, we're going to be like, remember that year when all the Chiefs players were cheap? Remember when their starting running back was going in the ninth round and their handcuff running back was going in the 12th and their wide receiver one was going in the fifth and their first round rookie wide receiver was going in the eighth? Like, this will never happen again. Like, I don't know who the winner of MBS Sky Juju is going to be, but whoever that is, is going where T Higgins goes, right? And and then Kelsey is going to, you know, like it's, it's, so the chiefs are just going to be, I think such a huge, I mean, I think they're this, I think if you have like a really strong take that ends up being right, like that's going to be the skeleton key to winning or making a bunch of teams to the finals. Like if you get sky versus MBS, right. Like you probably just got like a 250 point score on your lineup. Like whoever, whichever one of
0: them does that. Yeah. Or even if you don't like, maybe you don't have a i, I Actually, I do. I have a lot of Skymore. So the answer is I do have a, a bit of a conviction. Uh, but even if you don't have a conviction, you should just see the uncertainty and be like, all right, I will play play balance as opposed to like uh, exploitative. If you think there's an edge in taking Skymore, I would call that exploitative. Maybe it's sort of bending these to fit. No, that's narrative. that's definitely that's definitely exploitative, But in my opinion. If you don't have a strong opinion, play balance knowing that probably all of these players are going underpriced in some sense, because uh, two or three of them may be overpriced, right? It turns out Michael Hardman is, is truly a nobody. Like he, he just returns punts this year. He's overpriced, right? For that, whatever he is. But then if that's the case, then we're probably getting a way underpriced MBS or Sky Moore. If, 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 if Hardman
1: really- does nothing on offense, all three of the Chiefs wide receivers could be top 36 wide receivers in fantasy.
0: Yeah, or one of them could be top ten, or two of them could be top twenty-four. Knowing that there are just so many outcomes where one, two, or even more outproduce their ADP, or you if don't if have a strong lean, take what two, if, one of them. What Achieve if Kelsey every draft, as some would say,
1: as some would say? I mean, uh, like, so game this out. Like, what if Kelsey tears his ACL, like walking in a training camp tomorrow? Like, what happens to these prices? Because I don't even think the market could overreact enough. Honestly, I really don't. Like, I think if if Kelsey out for the year, whatever, I think Juju gets to the third yeah he goes where where keenan and mike williams go probably yeah and and then i actually think MVS would come up higher because the expectation would be he will get the stats to start the year so i think he would i think he would go to like where deandre hopkins and michael thomas go and then sky comes up and is like a few spots behind him and then hardman goes to like the 10th round i mean they're still probably all underpriced for their range at that point because then you're talking about 650 Mahomes passes have to go to someone, you know, and it's not going to Clyde. It's not happening.
0: So I have thought about this a little bit. I do. I don't believe this, but I think there is a small chance that like, what if the Chiefs just like aren't as oh. good as we expect them? Uh, yeah. they run the ball more. They run
1: well. That that could happen. They could so just they could just run the ball a lot. This
0: is this isn't something we have never seen before. And the, the you talking about Travis Kelsey, you know, he tears the ACL. What happens then, right? Uh, that made me think of the year. Was, I had to look it up. It was 2015 where uh, Jordy Nelson tears his ACL, and we're like. I guess Randall Cobb's getting 215 targets from Aaron Rodgers. He's scoring 50 times. And then it turns out like Randall Cobb wasn't a player who should be your absolute number one receiver. And that was Rodgers' worst season, assuming he played a full season by yardage total ever. It was his worst season of his career. And we saw this in Brady's final year in New England uh, where Julian, like I guess thrown 150 times to Julian Edelman and they did. And he had a good season, but the offense, especially the passing offense, was not good ready through for like just over 4,000 yards and only scored 24 times. It was the reason when he went to a team with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin that we were like, who knows, maybe he's just old and not good anymore because we had just seen him be quote, not good, but it's because that team was garbage, man. Like Philip Dorsett was his number two receiver. What if that's like the chiefs or I think of it more as um, I, I think of it more as the Packers this year. What if the Packers, uh Randall Cobb is old and dust, no surprise there. Sammy Watkins is exactly who he's been for the past four years. Yeah, but you got to you got
1: to have a healthy chunk of Watkins at this price. I, I
0: don't have a ton of Sammy Watkins. I actually just took him this morning, so guys. I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna miss game. being able to afford food, but I've been I I just I just wrapped a ton of him because I I could I I don't think I could ever forgive myself. It's a martingale. It's a Martin If Gale. he if he plays with Aaron Rodgers and is has a chance to lead the team in targets, and I'm just and I was like, you know what. Wide receiver 65 seems a little pricey. Like, how could I live with my... Like, how could I How could I look at myself in the mirror? Let's see how much Watkins do I have right now. I, I trimmed it. I definitely trimmed it after the reports that he might get cut. Yeah, I'm at a, a reasonable 12% Sammy Watkins. That that's seems hardly, fine. What that is, seems What fine. is 1 in
0: 12? Isn't it like 8.16%? So you're... Yeah. I mean, you're taking more of him than, uh, than the average person, obviously. But that's not that much. The, the guys... Like-
1: I have double of our Hamler, Wandale, Pringle, Tony, Gallup, MVS, and Sky. Those are the guys I have double of. So over over sixteen percent.
0: I'm doing a lot of drafting on drafting, so I, I honestly couldn't. tell You you, you have, have no, no idea. One, simply, no yeah. one will know. Though I could gander a guess that uh, among the guys you had, I know Sky would be for uh, be up there for me. I'm trying to think who else. And he's uh,
1: he's he's cheaper on on. Uh, Everyone's draftings. cheaper, in fact, somehow. That's, it's, that's like a weird thing, but you're right. Like somehow, somehow everyone is actually cheaper on, uh, on DraftKings. It's like, oh, it's like all the, all the guys you want. Well, it partly, I think it's, it's partly because quarterbacks go so early
0: on yes, drafting. I think that is kind of the easy uh, answer is like you look at the discrepancy between Mahomes, this is something we can talk about, that Mahomes, uh, Mahomes and Herbert go at the like, exact same spot in underdog. I think it just happened where Herbert actually flipped Mahomes if I look at underdog ADP, but there's, they're like pick 43 and 44, right? Whereas Mahomes still goes like 10 picks earlier. People just love Mahomes and I love him too, but he goes way earlier. I, I think probably like Lamar Jackson goes earlier. So i just the big name guys. Uh, that's kind of the easy way to gather up the fact that I'm like, man, I really do think everyone on DraftKings goes later. I think that's probably kind of the easy and mathematically correct answers that a lot of the uh, quarterbacks go earlier.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you have me shook throwing out the specter of uh, Aaron Rodgers like being dust on Mahomes because I really just can't, I can't live a lot. I haven't where- been
0: drafting like this. I've been drafting a lot of Sky. I have a ton of, of Kelsey Mahomes than any one of the back guys. I try and, I, I like Sky the most, but I do genuinely get to, a decent amount of MVS, and I've taken me Cole once or twice, though I, I really don't think he's that good, but I still have taken him because I know that there is a, a absolutely plenty of universes in which he is as electric as we think he can be. And sure, he's probably never leading the team in targets, but he does a lot with the number two role. So I'm taking him a little bit, a lot of sky, decent amount of MVS. So I haven't been drafting like this, but it is an idea that I needed to bounce off of someone that like. I mean, like the average second round rookie sees like 60 targets. I think MBS in his career has averaged uh, 70 targets per 17 game season. If you just give him, you know, you take his averages out. Mecole is like a 50 or 60 target guy. They have a bunch of guys who just have not, or at least, you know, let's say Sky is your average second round rookie. They have a lot of guys who have not, or their archetypes have not shown the ability to get a lot of targets. And I I do think to an extent, like, uh, like, This is a great, it's a great Twitter debate that comes up every like eight days. It feels like to what extent are like vacated targets real and to what extent uh, is a team just going to be like, well, no Tyreek Hill, I guess we run the ball more and our offense will be less efficient. I think there's like some sort of middle ground that's just very hard to define. But like, when you look at the type of guys that, uh, like this will be a good proving ground for this. You look at the type of guys they have. Rookies generally aren't doing a ton. The rookies that are the most successful are probably getting there more so on efficiency. I know Corrine showed this last year. MBS has never been a big target guy. Mecole is half a special teams player and Juju maybe has the chance to get the most targets. And he has been dreadfully inefficient for, you know, since 2018. So I don't think it happens, right? I think Mahomes, I I believe in my heart, Mahomes is good enough. I watched him play to overcome just about anything. That's
1: the, that's where I, that's where I land too, is I like, yeah, Mahomes looked like shit for big stretches last year, but like I've also watched this guy just be Superman. Like, yeah.
0: So I believe he will overcome this very not great receiving core when you replace Tyreek Hill with a, a try. Let's try and get the sum of, you know, it's, it's, we were talking about this on the NBC show. It's the money ball thing. We need to replace Tyreek Hill in the aggregate. And I don't know if you can do that, but if anyone is able to, I certainly would bet on it being Mahomes.
1: I mean, they weren't using Tyreek Hill, like Tyreek Hill last year. After, yeah, he still after... earned a
0: lot of targets. I we totally learned, he
1: learned a lot of, he earned a lot of targets, but they were a lot closer to the line yeah, of scrimmage. And obviously you're not replacing like what he does after the catch. But you can replace, like, guys to run eight-yard slant routes. Like, Juju, Juju's pretty good at that still. Like, Juju can't, can't do anything else, but he Is can he, run
0: he – he, he was—I mean—he didn't have nearly enough like route targets to qualify, but if he was, he was only on field for like three or four games last year. He was like outside the top 100 in yards per out run the year before that. He was like 86. I'm not—I'm not, not
1: holding—I'm not holding anything against my my crown prince, Juju Smith-Schuster, I, I because know, I know. because he played with Ben Roethlisberger and it just—I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so
0: did, but you would think he would be the so guy yeah, so did for Clay, ben. so did Claypool though. So did Claypool, yeah. who was efficient. He didn't get a ton of targets, but and then Deontay Johnson was more efficient by a lot than uh, Juju, and he got a lot of targets. Targets. you would think that sure maybe like per target efficiency wouldn't have been good for Juju but he should have matched the skill set of Ben quite well which is to throw no greater than five yards down the field and at least in terms of efficiency he didn't even do that he was losing targets to Claypool who didn't fit Ben's skill set more importantly Deontay just ran laps around him in terms of garnering targets so I still uh Deontay's, Deontay's
1: super inefficient though Deontay Johnson is like career Tajay Sharp efficiency
0: he gets he, he, the the ability to out target juju though i think is it is yeah trigger.
1: i mean he gets Deontay gets open he just i don't know he also drops the ball a lot and that's <laughs> that's bad for that's bad for your efficiency numbers when you yeah. when you get targets and then you don't catch them i fucking yeah. hate i fucking hate deonte johnson like i just he's not my he's not my guy i don't know i he like Deontay De- cuz he gets a lot of targets uh he's good he's good to play at like 6300 on draftkings.com and cash games but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not anchoring myself. Like I would. I would. Like, what if? What if Pickett is like kind of good? Like, what if Pickett's kind of a gambler and like Claypool just smashes him?
0: Well, I have been taking like all of the Steelers because I don't even care in what vein Pickett is good. Is he? Is he more aggressive? Like this kind of happened with Herbert, right? Herbert, he came into the league and we thought like, oh, he's good, but you know, it'll probably be a, a career Kirk Cousins. And dude, it turns out he was like not Mahomes right away, but he's not that far off from the style and efficiency of someone like Mahomes. I don't even think you need that to happen for Kenny Pickett. Dude, you just need him to not be decrepit, right? Ben Rossborough is just not good and is as long as you know Pickett has to get on the field too right i think we probably get mitch for a week or two and they're like this sucks let's not do this anymore uh if Pickett is just better than ben rossberger we were consistently getting like wide receiver one and two weeks from the and they they
1: they have no fourth wide receiver that's like the other thing is they have no one who's coming off the field and the, the steelers don't do that anyways like some teams are like organizationally committed to rotating the wide receivers like, go like fun stat. Go look up how many snaps Josh Gordon played last year. You'll, you'll be like flummoxed. You'll be like, I don't remember seeing that guy on the field at all. He's out there like 300 snaps for the Chiefs. That's um, crazy. wow. Uh, but the the Steelers are like the opposite. The Steelers mm-hmm. are just like, no, nah, these are our dudes and we're the except for, except for when they get benched for being assholes, right? Deontay, look, and Clay, Deontay, and Claypool. The best of us. yeah, Deontay and Claypool both got benched at, at spots last year, which is just really funny. Yeah. I need to, I'm double-check. Yeah, Josh Gordon, 219 snaps for the Kansas City Chiefs last year. I mean,
0: that is wild, right? That is a lot, man. I'll never forget the, it was like the showdown slate where he had just joined the team. And they were like, I think he's going to be active. And he was active at like $200. And, and he was like one of the most owned $200 players you will ever find. Do you, remember,
1: do you remember the the showdown slate where they just benched Clyde Edwards to and started giving the ball to Derek Gore? Uh,
0: that was awful. I do remember that.
1: I, I I know that because I do our projections at dailyroda.com and I had given Derek Gore a zero percent rush share, zero percent target share. And the the subs were like, dude, what the fuck? Who is this guy? Why is he wasn't oh, in was, the player pool?
0: Well, for people doing projections, it was like, who is this guy? i that was the first time I learned who Derek Gore was.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's all good. Uh, okay. What we oh Kamara is gonna
0: be suspended, right? So seems very likely. Yeah. So why is marking your last round pick? Dude, I don't ask me. I am waiting, uh, waiting for his ADP to come up and like it creeps up five picks. I'm like, it should have creeped up 50, right? The, the, the report from uh pro football talks, Mike Florio, was that it was bracing for a six game suspension. He can probably, he can maybe get it appealed down to four or whatever. Right. Uh, but it isn't just his, apparently like- the
1: video is quite bad. I, I haven't seen it, but apparently the, the rumor mill is that it's, it's pretty
0: bad. Yeah. And I mean, like, this isn't a one game PED suspension, right? This isn't, you know, the first time you get popped for PEDs, you get two, you appeal it down to one and that's the end of it. Like this is a a crime he committed. He would probably get like, I, I think six probably makes sense. I doubt it even gets appealed down, but even if it does, like we have seen so many times that whenever Kamara is out, I think it's happened seven times in the past three years, they give Anybody you just be on the roster and they give you 15 carries and yeah, five Dwayne, like Dwayne
1: two. Washington, Tony Ty Jones Monk, Jr. Tony Ty Jones, Latavius yeah.
0: Murray three years ago was unreal. And the thing is, they don't just give you the Kamara role; they give you the entirety of the. They basket. give
1: you that's so that's yes, not but they give you the the Kamara compliment role and the Kamara role.
0: Yeah, uh, we so, saw that a little more mixed up when they had like Ty Montgomery and Dwayne. Like when they moved to running backs four, five, and six. But even then, over the past uh, over the past three years, it's been seven games missed, and the lead running back just by carries has averaged seventeen carries and six targets per game. A little bit juiced by uh, the awesome Latavius Murray games, but you don't need that. You need like. 12 and four for Mark Ingram in four games to be a complete smash at free ADP to be our RB5. And that we were taking him, at least I was, I started taking him because I thought I was like, oh, well, they do the thing where they give a guy who is not Alvin Kamara a ton of work when Alvin Kamara is out. I was taking him where he was going just on that alone, just as the pure typical handcuff guy, because I think he's one of the better handcuff uh, outcomes. I don't think he's that good as a player anymore. doesn't matter. I don't care. Now we are looking very likely to guarantee yourself. Like imagine if you guaranteed Zeke got suspended for six games, Tony Pollard goes so disgustingly early. If you guarantee that part of his win condition has already been met, we're getting that with Mark Ingram and his ADP hasn't budged. It probably will when we get uh, an official suspension, right? But like he was a good pick at his ADP before anything on Alvin Kamara came out. He's just, he's, I have, so I've, Almost every draft now I'm ending up with him. And Crane and I were talking about it just before the Kamara suspension leak, if you want to call it that hit. So in the
1: games that taste or that Ingram was like the starter starter last year, and these were games with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. So this is not, it's not like, it's not like even like Jameis, like keeping the offense chugging. This is like Trevor Simeon. Yeah. So the first game was a loss to the Titans third or 14 rushes, 47 rushing attempts and a touchdown. No one else on the team had more than two. I guess Taysom had three, but that's a different thing. Then he was targeted four times, which was uh, obviously the most out of the backfield. Then the next game was uh, just a dunking against the Eagles. I mean, they were not competitive in this game. He had 16 for 88. Tony Jones had three carries for two yards, and he was targeted eight times in that game. I mean, and even if his body breaks down after week four, right? So even if, even if he, even if 33 year old Mark Ingram is like, dude, I just got tackled 30 times in a game, three weeks in a row. I can't do this anymore. You have already made already your money. You've, You've already won. won.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I no, that's take... what I find so fascinating about the bump. The the almost complete lack of a bump on his ADP is like his ADP is like an already win. You are assuming we get to Kamara's suspension. Uh, it's a massive already win. And if we don't get it, it is his price hasn't moved to reflect that you're getting the almost the exact same proposition you were getting a month ago, right? It's it's the same as any other handcuff running back, but we're already looking likely to have one and it's not moving. So yeah, I you know we're we're in lockstep here. I have a lot of uh, a lot of were you taking any Kamara before because I really wasn't getting to him a ton. No, no,
1: I'm not ta- I wasn't taking him at all. I'm not really taking him at all now. Be- yeah, I will, I will, now. I will when his price gets better. Like if if, like if if Kamara is suspended for eight games and he drops to an eighth round pick or whatever, smash just because it that's like the same theory as drafting Garrett Wilson or whatever, which (laughs) is just that all his points are gonna come in the second half of the season. And the Saints are probably gonna be super run heavy. Like Kamara was on Kamara was on pace to not top his career touches last year. He was on pace to smash them. He was on pace to have Like Derrick Henry carries and Darren Sproles targets. Uh in 13 games last year, he had 240 carries and 67 targets. That was already his so in 10 games, it was already or 13 games, it was already his career high in carries by 60. He had never like, I mean, it's like he's gonna and he's gonna be fresh in the second half of the season after coming off this. Like I'm like talking myself into taking him in the fourth round now, basically, is what's happening.
0: Yeah, when we I would I would wait till we get the official suspension because the, the price is going to I think continue to drop than it always does, right? Like, we know Julio Jones will eventually sign and he will his ADP will go up, but until that happens for some reason, no one is willing to take him other than me and like Grant. So, we'll get that probably effect with Kamara. I even think I was actually surprised in the uh, I think it was eight games with uh Jameis, he was on pace that pace would have worked out to over 17 games 90 targets 68 catches 662 through the air and 10 touchdowns which doesn't really matter it's fluky enough in an eight-game sample but like he was most of Alvin Kamara as a receiver which I wouldn't have guessed with Jameis just given Jameis's style but like that also does tend to happen when you have no Michael Thomas and no one else on that team but I, I was even a bit surprised that he was still a very good he was like one of the league's better receivers out of the backfield with Jameis so sure that probably comes down when you get Michael Thomas back and you get a rookie and you get Jarvis but it was better than I expected with that. So I think once we get the suspension news, I will end up taking some Kamara.
1: Yeah. Uh, shit. I had something and in- Oh, on underdog taste is eligible at tight end. I just yeah. ask every, I just ask everyone this. What's your, what's your, what's your take? Where, where's, where's your brain go with this?
0: I am not taking him. Uh, I think there is a, uh, there is a scenario in which you can take him. And I think it's a tournament with like 3 billion entries. Uh, I, I, Cause especially if they, if I thought he had a good chance at being the team's backup quarterback, I actually would take a ton of him. They brought in Andy Dalton. They have vocally said that they're going to try and move him back to actual tight end. Uh, I think there's a, a tournament in theory, large enough that where like the 0.001% that he gets a few starts at quarterback and is just the absolute smash uh, that is worth chasing. I don't even think the tournaments we have right now are are big enough for that, especially since it's underdog specifically. It's not like the 900,000 tournament on DraftKings. So I, I get the theory totally, but I have not been taking him. Do you know that in 2019, which was a
1: year in which he did not start any games at quarterback and threw only six passing attempts, he had six receiving touchdowns? Does that do anything for you?
0: That was probably a lot of. Uh, I think every one of those touchdowns came on a uh, showdown slate. I remember he was just the, the no showdown two
1: guy. of them. Two of them were the Thanksgiving Day one. I, <laughs> oh, I believe. Man. I believe he had one rush, yeah. two two targets, and two touchdowns. If I if memory serves.
0: Yeah, uh, who was their actual tight end that year? Would that have been like a Jared Cook year?
1: I 2019 for the Saints. I I'm gonna guess that this was a Jared Cook year. It could have been the Kobe Fleener year. Uh, no, it was, it was, it was Jared Cook and Josh Hill, but Josh Hill was like just the blocker.
0: Yeah. That, that, I was, I was trying to think though, is, uh, did they have a tight end who could just play snaps and catch targets? And Jared Cook can do that. Like he's, he's fine enough as like a low tier starting tight end. And that's probably like in the range of like what Adam Troutman is. Right. So I was trying to think, was he getting actually out there because they had no one else? They didn't have no one else. So yeah, that does move the needle a little bit for me.
1: And I mean, so this is, this is where I've landed which is like one, obviously I'm like leaning into it. Cause it's a good bit. It's a good bit now. It's a good bit, but also I don't think he is as drawing dead as other people to getting like gadget shit. Like the the response I've gotten to most people for this is that he's not even the backup quarterback anymore. They paid Andy Dalton to which I say, you're definitely right. Andy Dalton is definitely right now, Thursday, June 30th, the backup quarterback. I would not, Let's say Jameis like re injures his ACL early on and they get to watch Andy Dalton play professional quarterback. I don't know if they're like I think there are avenues to Taysom playing quarterback just because Andy Dalton is shit instead of Andy Dalton getting injured. That's very thin. That's super yeah. thin. I'll say that's like five day percent. Again, because it's not like Taysom is a good NFL quarterback either. If he was, <laughs> he would not be playing tight end for them. But I think that so you 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 put that in the calculation. Then you get you know you assign whatever uh, probability of Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston both being injured in sort of a, a, a 2021 Giants uh, Jake from Mike Glennon quarterback uh, rotation, which was something that happened. Like you know it, injuries, multiple injuries happening in the same position. But then also the other feedback, which is probably legit, but I can't, I don't know the answer. It's unknowable, I think, which is how much of the taste of mill gadget shit was Sean Payton, and how much is the offensive coordinator, who's still the same offensive coordinator of, of I forget his name. P. Carmichael,
0: is that right?
1: That's let's let's see. Uh, yes, P. Carmichael. So P. carmichael he's been there forever,
0: and that team's been really good. And I think he just likes being an offensive coordinator. So he, he probably could have gotten a job somewhere else, I'd imagine. It,
1: so he has been the he's been with the Saints since 2006, since he was yeah. 35. So I'm gonna guess that he is probably somewhat down with the Taysom Hill stuff. Again, just a guess. Just a t- total guess. The real that question- though,
0: like that, that perfectly makes sense that a dude who has been on board for 15 five years-, years you know, Yeah, you know, five years with Taysom. Yeah, exactly. And he's been part of the program for 15, just in that role, and five years with Taysom. His, his philosophy probably falls very much in line with the guy who preceded him. So I think you're fair there.
1: Yeah. So the, 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 the big and unknowable question is- was Dennis Allen, who is now the head coach, was he ever on board with, you know, paying Taysom all this money, Taysom packages, bringing Drew Brees <laughs> off the field for Taysom, Taysom being their quarterback when Drew Brees got hurt, or does he fucking hate this shit? Is he like, I can't believe that I have this this H back on my roster making sixteen million dollars, and like, I I don't know, yeah, but I do know that I just love the wrinkle of Taysom being, I don't know, 5%, 5% to start a game as a quarterback. And I think drawing reasonably live to like, I don't know, outscore Mo Cox or whatever, just as a tight end. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's probably not a favorite to outscore Mo Cox, but like, but
1: it's, it's, it's if Taysom Hills has four receiving touchdowns this year and gets into your lineup twice with a spike week, it's not like, there's not some giant upset.
0: Yeah. Totally. Totally not. Uh, yeah. You're kind of talking me into this at least a little bit, uh, yeah, because like every you've not made a point that doesn't sound uh, reasonable. But the
1: the the reason why the reason why the the pushback just from a theoretical level, nothing about the granular like how many points can Taysom score is like Taysom is probably a dog. He's probably a dog to make your your lineup if he never start if he doesn't get any quarterback snaps, even even scoring a couple touchdowns here and there, and. Yeah there's real like it's easy to say like oh I'm drafting him instead of Vilas Jones like oh that's so bad (laughs) but like you also might be drafting him over next year's Cordero Patterson you know like that that is actually the bigger drawback is Taysom's odds of being a league winner are definitely definitely lower than like you know random breakout Isaiah McKenzie right Isaiah McKenzie is probably a better 18th round pick. The
0: cheapest handcuff running backs the same way. Like those dudes sure. get in are, are much more likely to start five games than Taysom Hill to start five games at any position, quarterback or tight end. So I get that.
1: Yeah. So that's where that's where we're at with with Taysom. I mean, I just ask everyone because I think it's fascinating. And obviously, if he was a quarterback, like it doesn't matter. Like he's undraftable. Like he's a quarterback on Drafters. He's a quarterback on DraftKings. Yeah. I did. I, funnily enough, I, it's such a, pe- people's brains are so weird. Taysom goes higher in the Superflex puppy than his Best Ball Mania 3 ADP.
0: No, I would, why would you, there's, no, I can't imagine like a single No, but, but it.
1: like, think about that though. Think about like his, I think his ADP in the Superflex puppy was like 205 and his super, his regular ADP is like 215.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like
1: think I, Like, I, I see how people's brains get there. Cause their their brains are, I need quarterback points. I'm already taking Malik Willis and 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 Desmond Ritter and guys like that anyway. So like what's the difference between Taysom Hill and and Matt Corral? You know, that, but it, it just I like it's people's brains make associations in such obvious ways.
0: Yeah. Uh I, I had a question. Are you getting we're talking about tight ends? So that's how this relates, of course. Uh I assume you've been getting a lot of Mark Andrews. I have not, uh, you know, you are asking, uh, you know, we were talking about just gal brain takes, right? What are like really weird scenarios that can pan out? And this isn't even that weird, but like we saw last year the Ravens lost like three running backs before the start of the season. And throughout the season, I think they ended up like six of their secondary, uh like like defensive secondary guys yeah. on IR. They had two all pro cornerbacks both go down, one I believe before the season, one midseason. Uh it and they were like a top six team in uh, yards allowed on um, on passing plays, uh, just on overall receiving or I guess passing yards in in a good way for three straight seasons. They were fifth, fifth, sixth or something like that. And last year they, I think nearly set the record in passing yards allowed. It was obviously uh, like borderline black swan event for how much they were going to be forced to pass. Uh, and they did, they went up 10 pass attempts per game. I, I didn't look it up because I wasn't sure. I don't have the data scraping abilities to do this. Actually, I, I might. I was just too lazy. Uh, but that might be one of the greatest jumps in pass attempts yeah. for a team in like NFL history. Ten pass attempts a game is so much for a team. And Mark Andrew, Mark Andrews, like I'm not 100% sure he was this wildly different player that we've never seen before. I think he was always good, and he was better last year. But his his yards per target was identical with his career yards per target. His yards per route run was slightly less. He ran a lot more routes. But then he didn't convert that to like a massively different target share. His target share went up by one percent, his air yard share went up by two percent. So he ran a lot more routes, but they didn't convert to him becoming a new player. That leaves most of my conclusion to be he was always a good player playing on a run first offense, and he finally became a good player playing on a pass first offense. They're like ninth or tenth in pass attempts what if like they're probably going to try and go back they will get both of their running backs back they will have a better secondary they hired a new defensive coordinator lamar
1: probably lamar probably won't be only playing in 10 games i think it was
0: right yeah it sounds about right yeah
1: and and obviously when you go from lamar to tyler huntley you're going to be a little bit more pass heavy because tyler huntley's not as good of a rusher and you're going to be in more negative game script situations. 100
0: percent like they could go back that 20 past times a game. And then Mark Andrews, like, looks like he always did. Like basically like fancy Hunter Henry. Uh, I love Mark Andrews. I think he was one of the best talented tight ends, but I can't find anything he did last year other than be on a team that passed more that makes me think he can repeat what he did last year. Like I, I, I've basically been thinking he's like dead even with Kyle Pitts in terms of how I, I would project them, but he's much more expensive than Kyle Pitts.
1: Yeah, he is more more expensive, but he's also he had three of the five highest scoring fantasy point games from a tight end ever. Just a lot. He had multiple in in half PPR. He had multiple thirty five plus point games.
0: No, so I, like, I totally agree. So uh, that's that, that's that, the same that, argument made for like George Kittle, who had one hundred and eighty yards last uh, like when he came back last year, and then he had like one hundred and forty right after that. And I think that's, I don't think you should be going as late as that because it does require some level of change in projection from last year to this year to get Mark Andrews back to 900 yards, nine touchdowns. But like he, I, I don't think he was massively different last year than he had been in previous years. I don't think it's that much of a change. To me, the biggest change and not the only change, but close to it was just the team's pass attempts. And I do think they will make it a very obvious point to get back like below 30 attempts per game.
1: But also the transit, like uh, they really only have one good wide receiver. I also think, I also think that
0: matters too. Right. They really only had one good wide receiver last year. Bateman didn't play early in the season. Wasn't particularly good late in the season.
1: But, but now there's like, even just from like a game planning perspective, there's just only the one guy. Right. So it's like Andrews has also in his career, this is, this is super inside baseball, but Andrews is uh, he's a diabetic. So he has, he has, he has issues with um, like conditioning and stuff. So he is not, he's not played a ton of snaps in his career. Uh, Like relative to what you would expect a superstar tight end to play. I can go, I can go actually find his snap counts, but like for a lot of his his snaps
0: went up last year. His routes went up last year, but he didn't, it didn't mean almost anything for his target share. It did almost nothing. Uh, It went up 1%. And his area share went up two percent. And I think it is impressive for him. I I
1: think I think you're actually understating it. His snap share went up fucking huge. It went like how many
0: points do I get for his snaps? Where are my snaps points?
1: I mean, I would say like someone could do this, like Hayden could do this, or Scott Barrett could could do this, but like figure out like how many more snaps are worth a target, right? So like just being on the field, like how many more, like just being on the being on the field. Has to equal like some small target share bump, right, or some small TV
0: production bump. Yeah, it was probably worth one percent last year, is what I would guess, because that's what happened. He went up one percent last year. Uh, uh, I, I think in a really in good in,
1: to- in total target share,
0: total target share went up one percent.
1: So you, it, your argument is just that he's sun he sun runned on efficiency, and the the volume is also likely to decline. So even was- if the target share goes up, the pie is smaller.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be hard for his target share to go up because he was super high. Like he is normally a very high target share player. I think he looks probably, I would say he probably looks almost exactly as efficient. I think his like yards after the catch to per catch last year were a little below career average, but it wasn't anything insane. I I think he is always very efficient. I don't think he, I think he's always efficient, right? I think the only thing that changed when you were just doing a weekly projection for him, if you took his 2019 or 2020, every efficiency and you just mapped it onto a team that threw 35 times a game, I mean That's- that that 2019 season
1: doesn't really look that dissimilar from what he did last year to me because I I am expecting Lamar to be fucking awesome again. So I I would expect Mark Andrews to have what you would call an unsustainable touchdown rate, right? Sure, like sure, I sure. like I would expect Mark Andrews to be amongst the league leaders in like touchdown per target. So I don't even really care if he goes from so 153 targets let's let's give him 120, which is still a lot, just but lying. but but which would reflect the changing nature of the offense and I think reflect that Hollywood Brown is leaving. I would actually expect him with that target share to be a threat to lead the league in touchdowns just because of how their offense works and how also if if, if people are familiar with Mark Andrews works he fucking loves to drop the ball, loves it. Guy loves to drop the ball. Uh, this, the 2019 season. I mean, I just know this because I played him in cash every week that year. He had at least two stone cold, no one near him back of the end zone.
0: I know. I know in, one of them specifically in, in the bread
1: basket like. touch. And <laughs> I'm not, obviously I kind of like Mark. I mean, I've drafted him. I have a, I just looked, I've made percent. So I, I take okay. him right in line with everyone, but I do think that, I mean, one of the things just from a base level you have to think of when drafting players is like, can this offense just go nuclear? Right. So, like, kind of the one of the problems with comparing him to Pitts is I think there is 0% <laughs> chance that the Falcons are even a league average offense. Yeah. The Ravens, I think, could score the most points of any team in the NFL if things break. Yeah, a Andrew's certain way. ceiling
0: probably looks like the same target. Sh- like, they probably meet somewhere in the middle of the team gets more efficient because like last year, Lamar wasn't particularly good. I mean, he was, he was particularly inefficient and they passed more. Imagine they pass a little less, but that efficiency from like that 2019 season, we get close to that. Uh He could basically do exactly what he did last year. Again, maybe he gets fewer yards, but he could like push a dozen touchdowns, right? Which he got to 10 in 2019. So I agree the 90th percentile, you can make 75th. It's probably not that crazy of an outcome is uh, better than Pitts. But like, I feel like that's, not that far from what you could say about like George Kittle too. also like one of the guys who just shows up for massive, massive games every four or five weeks. And right now we're projecting the team. I am at least projecting the team to run the ball a lot, both with their quarterback and their running backs. Uh, but maybe that meets somewhere in the middle of efficiency and volume at which point I think Kittle is kind of a similar argument to uh, someone like Andrews. So like for example,
1: a middling Gronk season, right? Like not not one of Gronk's uh like, you know, all-time seasons. Uh 20, 2015, 120 targets, 72 receptions, 1200 yards, 11 touchdowns, right?
0: I think oh, he 1200 seems like a lot for Andrews, I so, who got so to, maybe got 13, trade last year. Maybe
1: maybe trade maybe trade 200 yards for Two touchdowns, right? Yeah. I just talking, just talking about the range, right? I think yeah. I agree with you. It's less likely to happen with yards and more likely to come yes. with like just some total sun run touchdown rate, right? like 10% of his targets turn into touchdowns or something.
0: Yeah. I just, I, and this is not uh, uh, Mark Andrews Fudd. I think they one of the best tight ends in the league. And uh, he was just incredible last year. And I think doing basically sustaining close to his efficiency, his yards per out run weren't that much different than his career's his yards per target was the exact same on more volume. Is an impressive feat of his own. This is more simply just like, it is hard to project him to be uh, like, like right now he's going his pick uh, 20 on uh, underdog. Uh, To me, it's hard to project him to be close to, like super close to what he was last year. And he's being drafted not far off. Like I I would, to me, I'm still taking Kelsey comfortably over him. I would take him much closer to Pitts who goes 14 picks after him. That's uh, over a round. And uh, Kittle, I think is still like widely undervalued, especially like he is like uh, him, you know we talked about Andrews having some of the best games last year. him and Andrews are like the <laughs> they're they're great in every format. But if you look at Spike guys, better in a best ball. Better in best ball. I mean, i will
1: i I will probably not be in on Andrews when it comes to like main event season because because that format weights receptions more than yeah. touchdowns. But I I also have noticed him falling in underdog a little bit. I actually think in a weird way it's related to the Kamara fall, where when you when you're not comfortable taking Kamara, uh, like with your second pick of the third round or whatever, or just like it just removes a running back from the equation, so it's pushing up Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Fournette, Barkley, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that is uh, tangentially pushing. Like I I got Mark Andrews today. I, it's funny that I I just took him in one that I posted on Twitter today. And it i think it was the latest that I had gotten him. I can't. I got James. I got Mark Andrews a pick twenty, which feels pretty cheap.
0: I was later than he's going by three or four picks, and three or four picks at uh, in the first two or three. Is it's a, it's it's a lot. lot. Is a, a, a lot. So yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So so there's Mark Andrews. Who's your Who's your favorite uh, gonna be draft? Who's your favorite Dalton Schultz candidate? Guy Got to be got be drafted at... I mean, tight end six is like the worst draft pick, uh, is the worst pick every single year. It's like the guy who overperformed his
0: baselines the most.
1: Yeah, yeah. Before. you want to be the
0: year early on that guy and get the tight end six yeah. as the tight end if- 15 or whatever. Uh, I, I, So for a while, it was both Albert O and David Njoku. I don't feel great about David Njoku, assuming he's playing 17 games with Jacoby Brissett. So I, I probably got, well, I got my fair share of him in the past month. I don't think I'll be having much more of him uh, for me it's Albert O. Uh, you know, you look at like you're, you're not
1: falling, you're not falling for no, the Dulcich false never. flag. I, Let's cannot. go, Kyle. I know. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I knew I knew that I wanted to have you on set of Korean, who is so a- deep. He is he is part of the deep state-sponsored media. It's like it's like, you know, he is getting checks. Dulcich's mom is like DMing him. It's it's a nightmare with with Pat.
0: Yeah, I uh I have been taking a decent amount of Albert O. This is another team where you know we talk about like ranges of outcomes, like. You should want to be either well under the field as, as you know, in DFS terms go on, uh, on Denver because they get Russell Wilson coming off of a shaky year and the new offensive coordinator always played slow and balanced. And you don't think it's worth the, the price hike you're getting, or you should be going absolutely nuts on them because one of the all time, most efficient quarterbacks is now escaping the oppressive thumb of Pete Carroll, uh, who I think is a good leader of his team and a good defensive coach but God, his offenses suck. They are just the most dreadful thing. So if you get Russell Wilson going to a team that knows how to call a modern offense, like you could marry some of the best efficiency with some uh, like a coach who knows what he's doing as far as offense goes. So uh, to me, you either want to embrace that, uh, either way you want to embrace that uncertainty. You shouldn't be taking them like, ah, get them when they fall below ADP. I am like jamming as much, I am personally jamming as much Denver as I can. But if you thought it went the other way, I would disagree with you, but I think it's an understandable take to have, Uh, but they are just one of the most volatile high upside. And and sure, I guess there's a floor to it too. Offenses and Albert O is, I think probably the, the, I really struggle to see, like we we don't see much from these rookie tight ends. Albert O was a good prospect coming out of college. He got, he got on the field as a rookie, which is really hard for tight ends to do. Yeah. And he got on the field behind Noah fan. Like they were basically playing two tight end specifically to get this rookie and the second year tight end on the, on the field more. So to me, He's done enough to show that he should easily be the starting tight end. I don't think he's the most talented tight end in the league, but he looks like he's at least a solid starting level talent who will be playing with Russell Wilson, getting into an offense that isn't based on like 80s philosophies. So I'm getting a lot of Albert O. It's also really athletic. It's productive in college. So I, uh, I'm getting a lot of Albert O. I thought David Njoku was like a very similar-ish argument, you know, new quarterback on the team, uh, you know, smart offensive philosophy, even if they still run a lot in Cleveland, and now a path to a starting role. But if we're getting a job set, I've kind of I've kind of cooled on that Njoku. So for me, it was those two. Now it's really just Albert O that I feel a lot of conviction in. There are certainly other players that I think you make the argument for, but he's the one I've been going for.
1: Couldn't have said it better myself. He's good. He's big. He's fast. Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton are the most unproven guys. to ever, You know, we talk about unproven, you know, Chiefs wide receivers. Like, what the fuck mm-hmm. has Jerry Judy ever done? He's had one good play in the NFL. He scored like a, uh, I think a fifty-nine yard touchdown as a rookie when Drew Locke was his quarterback. He scored zero touchdowns last year. <laughs> people forget. People forget that Jerry Judy scored zero touchdowns last year. I, I I tweeted this the other day, but Tim Patrick is the big inconvenient truth. He leads Denver wide receivers in half point PPR scoring the last two seasons since Sutton and Judy have been. I mean it's bad. It's a, I mean, it's not bad because Russell Wilson is obviously going to be the, the tide that lifts all boats, but I'm not, I'm not penciling Judy and Sutton in for these, like you, for being the new DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett.
0: Yeah. It could be more flat than we expect. I don't think it has to be like, you could just run, like, it turns out, you know, players who play with Russell Wilson run good on touchdowns. Could be the answer to you getting like eight or nine Alberto touchdowns. He still doesn't have a great yardage or reception season because judy and Sutton are as good as we hope or they could be a much more flat distribution of targets are you getting the much tim patrick's you said kj hamler's one of your highest drafted players but like only you you made the argument to take tim patrick and they gave him i think his his cost
1: i think his cost is bad i I think it's i think it's just a little i think him and hamler should be going closer because i think it's projecting a lot of certainty about role and tim pat like you know remember the year that the falcons wide receivers just kept dying like like julio would be out and then ridley would be out. It's like people are like, oh, actually, like, it's not this guy. It's the other Only guy. Only to
0: Because um, the like other, other guy,
1: Brandon Powell is the Brand direct Powell. backup to this guy, and, and Zacchaeus is the backup to this guy. I actually think it's, it's kind of one of those where, like, makes much more sense for Patrick to be – the Sutton insurance policy than it does to have yeah strategically Sutton,
0: you probably want Hamler on the field as your third receiver because he does a very unique skill set very probably no one else on the team really has as much I mean his speed is just unreal you would want that especially with Russell Wilson you really want that 100%. Patrick his skill set overlaps a bit more with both Judy and Sutton so I, I right get right that so
1: he's yeah. the, he's the better he's the better and he can he'll still play because mm-hmm. wide receivers don't play hundred percent of the snaps. so Sutton comes out to take a breath yada yada judy comes out and judy and judy and hamler could rotate because hamler's a little guy too you know they'll they'll bring in Dulcich for his six snaps a game or whatever uh maybe i don't know maybe they'll (laughs) maybe they have some blocking tight ends that i don't even know about let's uh i don't actually even know this like i probably should so they have seth williams they have kendall hinton uh, Travis Fulgham. What 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 week of the season are we going to be putting in waiver wire bids on Travis Fulgham? i still to...
0: have Travis Fulgham.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's there. Or uh, still, oh, yeah. Um, Eric uh... Eric Tomlinson and Eric Sobeir uh are are gonna be they those guys will be ahead of greg Dulcich. it's actually but, hilarious
0: i know who thompson because he was a showdown he, guy he was well, the he, a, he was a raven Reigns one week but he yeah. only he's like a literal guard <laughs> like he looks like a guard well he's, he's like,
1: like lee he's like lee smith who is yes, another 100%. showdown guy that you have to know he caught yeah. it he caught a touchdown last year lee smith did
0: good good for lee smith good for good lee for lee smith.
1: smith all right man let's get out of here good football show what a, what are you working on nbc sports edge right now
0: yeah, good football show, team, team previews. I have the first of my team previews because I pushed all of my stuff into July. I just chose, I was like, yeah, I'm going to take all of June off. So uh, my first team preview is the Colts. That'll be out by the time this show drops, essentially. Uh, I have my best ball tiers coming out. That's why so much quarterback talk was on today. Quarterbacks on my mind is that was the first set of tiers. Um, team previews, best ball tiers, and good football show. That's about it. Or just follow me on Twitter and I'll, I'll tweet it out. You'll, you'll see it, you'll see it. All right, everyone, Kyle
1: tweets here go follow him we will uh, we will be back uh, next week
0: the legends are true overwhelming power the sauce of destiny yes